Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Josh Norris here to break down game one of the World Series and preview the rest of the series ahead. Dodgers went out, won eight to three. We saw the stars come out. Clayton Kershaw, six strong innings. Cody Bellinger, two run home run. Mookie Betts, a little bit of everything. Josh, what was your biggest takeaway from game one, seeing the Dodgers do what they did and really just come out? kind of on fire, especially once that fourth inning got started and Cody Bellinger kicked it off with his two-run home run. Well, Cody Bellinger's shoulder's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that. I, I, I was, I don't know, worried is the right word. I was concerned that that might have had a lingering effect. And it did look sound like he separated his shoulder and had to have it pop back in or something, uh, which, you know, sounds like it would it would last, but I guess not if you're a like mid-20s uh, immortal human. Yeah, no, certainly a situation that I think a lot of people were curious to see what long-term effects there would be. He separated his shoulder after his home run in Game 7 of the NLCS during his celebration. But by all accounts, everything looked good, and a healthy Cody Bellinger is is certainly one of the best players in Major League Baseball, as we know from his National League MVP award season of last year and some of the big home runs he's really started to hit here in the postseason. Josh, this Dodgers team has three MVPs. Kershaw, Bellinger, Betts. We know they're star-studded, and each of them had their great moments yesterday. But Mookie Betts really shined the brightest, although I don't want to do any disservice to Clayton Kershaw. He was excellent. But watching the game and being on the post-game Zoom press conferences with all the players, what just stood out to me was just the admiration these guys have for Mookie Betts. And again, these are the stars of Major League Baseball. Clayton Kershaw's the best pitcher of his generation. Cody Bellinger, by 25, has an MVP award, a Rookie of the Year award, and is in his third World Series. These are some of baseball's biggest and brightest stars, and they talk about Mookie Betts in a way that you normally hear revered for only the greatest players of all time. I want to go back to 2014. I was not at Baseball America at this time. I was uh, doing major league coverage and, and local uh, beat coverage. I was not really in tune with the minor leagues at that time, but you were at VA. And you had made a special trip up to see Mookie when he was in double A. At that point, he had become a top 100 prospect. He was really starting to gain some steam in the prospect world of, hey, this is a guy that has a chance to be really, really special. You were there right when he was making his transition from second base to the outfield. And reading back his old scouting reports, what jumped out to me, and I wrote about this today, was just how people saw the instincts. People saw the feel for the game beyond just the immense physical tools. And that's noted in his reports. And we see it play out on baseball's brightest stage again and again and again throughout his career. And again, especially last night. What was he like in 2014, watching him make that transition from second base to the outfield? And, and did you see these hints? Um, they weren't hints so much as they were screaming at you from six inches away. It was as obvious as it could be for any player I've ever seen that this was not just going to be a star. This is going to be a superstar. Um, now, you'll go back and you'll look at my ranking of the Eastern League that year, and you'll see that I put him number two behind Michael Taylor. Those scouting reports, too, were amazing. But, uh, you know, you could argue that Mookie might not have even – Mookie might not uh, have even taken the number one if I'd done it correctly because Francisco Lindor was like five. Uh, although he hadn't shown that big, big power yet. Uh, so either way, point is, uh, Mookie Betts was fantastic 
in that however many games I watched uh, there at Trenton. You know, what one thing you could see, what sticks out for me from watching him from the side was just he has that electric bat speed and that quick twitch. And it was he was able to adjust it to just about any part of the zone. If his fastball's up, he could still get to it. If it's things down in the zone, he can get it. Was, it was both lightning quick and malleable. Like he could, there wasn't a groove to it. It was just, he could just get to any, any pitch in any sector and hit it with authority. And that's a rare skill, especially for a guy who at the time was 20 years old, fifth round pick. And we see that, you know, that's the hope a lot of times that the younger guys were just such freak athletes like he is. But, you know, it just continues to stand out to me. And I had an appreciation for this, obviously watching him with the Red Sox all those years, but now getting to watch him up close on more of a day-to-day basis now that he's with the Dodgers and me going out and covering a lot of the Dodgers games this year and just being in this time zone and watching him as much as I have is it's all the extra things. It's it's we saw it last night, you know, at third base, getting the secondary lead. And, you know, it's become a favorite pastime of baseball Twitter to just drag on broadcasters, which I don't quite get. But um, John Smoltz, I thought, did a great job pointing this out for for the viewers at home that Mookie, by getting the primary lead he did and the secondary lead, only had about 60, 62 feet to go on that contact play to give the Dodgers the first run of their four-run fifth inning. It's little things like that that create a run where otherwise there would be an out. If he doesn't get that great secondary lead and he has to go 75 feet, he's out. Just little things like that that contribute to winning a ball game. And one of the things that stood out to me again, just being on the Zoom press conferences last night, you know, someone asked Dave Roberts, Cody Bellinger, Clayton Kershaw what the most incredible thing they thought Mookie did last night was. And they all gave three different answers. For Bellinger, it was Mookie's stealing third base on the front end of a double steal. For Roberts, it was an oppo home run straight right field. And for Kershaw, it was the contact play. And, and Mookie said his favorite of all of them was the contact play. And you see that he celebrated more on that with all those fist pumps than he did his own home run. He, he opened the set. He takes more pride in a play like that. And it's just so awesome to see. I mean, this is a guy as a superstar. We know he's a superstar. It's no secret. But it really never gets old watching him. All the things he can do, big and small. No, he's a, he's a superstar. He's one of the best players in the game. He can change the game in so many ways. And he's just, you know, he's an athlete. I mean, we, it's a very weird way to say he's an athlete and then talk about how, how well he is at bowling. But uh, that's one of the things he's really good at, too. I remember, too, when he was coming up, uh, this story is about, I think, I think, 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 he went to the World Wood Bat in Jupiter just as a pro and just kind of coached kids there too. I think there's a story about it somewhere on our site where he just kind of came back and uh, helped coach one of the the, uh, the local teams from Tennessee um, as like a third base coach or something. So that must have been incredible. So there's that makeup aspect of it too. He's it's a generational talent. That's really all there is to it. And he's just one of a few on the Dodgers. So you mentioned with Bellinger, who I think is getting to that territory, uh, and Kershaw, who is obviously, you know, in the discussion for the best pitcher of his generation. And by the way, Corey Seager, who now that he's healthy, is looking again like one of baseball's best players, as he did when he first came up in 2016-2017, his rookie year, and then being in a, a top five MVP finalist the next year. Clayton Kershaw, I thought his performance was as heartwarming, I think is the right word. This is a guy who we've all talked about his postseason struggles, which, again, are real. There have been times early in his career when it was because the Dodgers were asking too much of him, pushing him to pitch on three days rest. 
more recently, it's been at times because they're trying to force him to do too much. We saw that with his relief appearance last year in the NLDS. Got left in a little bit in his NLCS start this year. Went out there, sliced through a Rays lineup that, frankly, just was kind of overmatched. Six innings, two hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts. And I think the biggest thing for me was he just looked so comfortable and confident out there. Um, again, his first inning, he did not have his slider. He talked about that. And again, give Smoltz credit here. He straight up said on the broadcast, hey, if Kate Kershaw gets out of this, I think he's going to cruise through. That's exactly what Absolutely. happened. Absolutely, That's exactly what Smoltz said, and I gave him credit for it because I wasn't sure it was going to happen. <laughs> got the strikeout of Hunter Renfro on the check swing, got the tapper back to the mound on Manny Margot. And by the way, that was a nice play by Kershaw. Didn't get a grip on the ball, fast runner, but he still took his time, set his feet, and threw a strike to first. And after that, he was just on cruise control. And, and this is where you see Clayton Kershaw just being so awesome to watch. Fastball, slider, curveball, mixing and matching all of them. There was one at bat to Willie Adamas where I think fastball first strike, curveball first strike, finish him off with a slider. Just easy, efficient, beautiful. And, and Clayton Kershaw has had starts like this before. I think back to 2017, game one of the World Series, he dominated the Astros. Um, it's just been about being able to repeat that later in the series. But for now, this was this was another peak Kershaw-type performance. And it was just great to see it again. This is one of the best pitchers in our generation and, frankly, all time. And he's capable of games like this, and it's good to see him have them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I thought he was going to get lit last night. I thought he was going to get hit hard, and the Rays were going to have a one uh, nothing advantage. I was wrong. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I bought into the idea that he's not super great in the playoffs. And, you know, someone made a point today that if you, well, if you take out some starts against the Astros, uh, that ERA, the playoffs drops by like two runs. Um, but he's had his ups and downs and I was just not super confident in him last night. And I thought, you know, uh, Glasnow was going to go out there and be the big donkey that he is and throw it past the, the Dodgers for six innings or whatever it was. And uh, it didn't work out. I was wrong. <laughs> I actually want to pivot off that. So we at Baseball America made our staff picks. I picked the Dodgers in five. Josh picked the Rays in seven. Josh was the only six, six, person. Oh, Josh picked the, the Rays in six, excuse me. Josh was the only person on our staff to pick the Rays. The question I have for you is after watching what happened last night, do you still feel confident in that prediction? I mean, I'm not going to change it on one game. He's, he's still got six games to, or a potential six games to go. But, you know, uh, the Dodgers look pretty darn good. Um, and the, the winner of a seven-game series, the first game winner is usually the, the team that comes out. But I still believe in the Rays for certain. Like, they have I, – I think their bullpen is incredibly strong. Now you have to get to that that uh, stable of guys who threw 98 and. You allow eight runs or whatever it was. They uh, you don't get to that A bullpen. Um, they're going to have a little bit of a challenge because their hitters aren't as good as um, the Dodgers. But you know, I'm not going to I'm not, I'm not going to change my mind after one game. You know, I got to stick to my guns at some point. Although I did have Yankees Dodgers uh, before the season, so I've at least uh, I forget who I picked. I might have picked the Dodgers preseason. Um, so who knows. But, you know, that was before COVID and that was before being inside the house all day. That was before a lot of things. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I still, I still believe in the Rays. It's one game. So here's my thing. And I, I've thought about this. I, I 
do not see a path for the Rays to win this World Series if they do not win tonight. Tonight is the game they have to have. They get Tony Gonsolin on short rest. It's going to be a bullpen day for the Dodgers. They have a chance to really get deep into that bullpen. If they can make the Dodgers cycle through Trinan, McGee, Jansen, Grouderall, all their big guys, then they have a shot. Because the truth is, I do not think this Rays offense will beat Walker Bueller in game three. I do not think that will happen. Walker Bueller in big games is pretty much untouchable. So given that, if they lose game two, they're not going to win game three, and they're down 3-0. The Dodgers are sniffing a World Series in game four. I think they're going to come out and just pound them and run away with it. It's going to, I think if the Rays do not win tonight, it's a sweep. Yeah, oh, no, it, it might be a problem uh, if they don't win tonight, I, I, he said, saying an understatement. Um, yeah, you're right. And they have Gonsolin on short rest tonight, um, and then they're throwing their ace, their former Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, and he has to come out and have the game of his life quite Quite frankly, I mean, there's, he's never pitched a bigger game, and we'll see if he uh, he has it in him. Yeah, I mean, this this is the pivotal moment in the series. This this is the turning point. Now, if the Rays win tonight, again, I, I still pick the Dodgers to win the series. I picked them before the series. I said for a long time that I think they're the best team in baseball by a clear tier ahead of everyone else. But to me, if the Rays don't win this one, their chances become zero percent. I, I feel that strongly about it, and and frankly, again. I think if they don't win this one, they get swept. They have to have this one. This is the game of their season. And they've had some big games that, you know, before it was game seven of the ALCS. They had game five against the Yankees. And the one thing, if you're the Rays, I think you feel good about. This is a team that's performed pretty well when their backs are against the wall. And we saw players outside of Randy or Rosarena get some hit, hits last night, do some things, which is very important. It's very, very hard to hold this Dodgers offense down. We saw the Dodgers run Tyler Glasnow's pitch count up, 112 pitches, yet through four and two-thirds innings. And there's obviously a lot of debate about Kevin Cash leaving Tyler Glasnow in too long. I think you have to remember, and I wrote about this, some of the key guys in their bullpen are a little tired right now. They really need to get five or six out of their starters. And, you know, the back-to-back walks to start the fifth, obviously at that point you say, hey, maybe we need to make a move here. But he came back and he struck out Justin Turner and, and he got a grounder that, you know, Mookie was able to, to score on, but it was still a, a weak chopper to first base. So Glasnow recovered from those two walks pretty well. And then just, you know, Will Smith doing what he's done all postseason came up with a big hit and that was that. So I understand the Rays trying to, trying to push him a little bit, get him to five. Um, but, but they need Blake Snell to go six tonight. They need Blake Snell to do to the Dodgers what Clayton Kershaw did to the Rays last night. Otherwise, I do not see a path for them to win this series. I mean, yeah, it, it'll be tough. I've seen it happen before. I mean, the first World Series, I'm really – second World Series, I'm really cognizant of uh, was the 96 Yankees, and they lost the first two to the Braves, and then uh, they won all three in Fulton County Stadium. And John Smoltz will remember that series uh, not as fondly. Um, but, you know, it's happened before, but as a – 12, 11-year-old, I certainly thought that World Series was over uh, in game two or in, yeah, after game two. And again, never say never, but I would also point out the Yankees offense in 96 uh, had a lot more weapons than the Rays offense of 2020 does, but we'll see what happens. Again, the Rays are a really good team. They had the best record in the American League. 
they have played excellent defense. They have a really good pitching staff. They're a really well-run organization. They have a great organizational culture. You talk to a lot of people on the Rays staff. I talk to a lot of people on the Rays staff. We saw a lot of these guys coming up through AAA Durham. This is a really good team and a really good organization who will be around for a while. This just feels like the Dodgers throwing the monkey off their back and taking what in a lot of cases, you know, a lot of people feel like should be theirs, especially in light of the Astro sign stealing allegations and how we know that that affected those three games in Houston that turned that 2017 World Series, particularly game five. Again, anything's possible, but just the way game one played out and just how much more talent was evidently on the field on the Dodger side. This 2020 World Series is, is starting to get the feel of a coronation of their rise. Um, I mean, I think we're a little early. On I feel stronger the, about this than you do. The postseason, perhaps. But, you know, I'm not going to crown anyone, uh, to quote some football coach. Dennis Green, if you want to crown yes. him, crown him. Yeah, I'm not going to do that just yet after one game. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's certainly a summation of what they've done in the last few years to, from, you know, you mentioned guys like Will Smith who was not super heralded coming up through the minors until late in his career, uh, going out and getting the guy like Brizdar Gratterall uh, in, the, in the deal that sent Maeda to the Twins, if I remember correctly. Yes, um, after the monkey and, trade. Yeah, Bellinger as a fourth rounder, I believe. Uh, you know, Dustin May, great guy, great pick. And then you have, you combine that uh, elite player development machine with an ownership group that is willing to open its wallet and keep a guy like Mookie Betts for however long. And you have a, a really formidable opponent for pretty much anybody, anywhere, anytime, as long as they stay healthy. I mean, we forget David Price opted out of this season. Uh, that's one less weapon they would have had in the playoffs. And they're still here and they're still getting coronated by certain people on this podcast who are not me <laughs> but they are they're certainly excellent and you know it, it they're probably here for a while barring anything silly happened yeah and again you, you mentioned David Price opting out I think the thing that really stood out to me throughout most of the season is they went 43 and 17 and they did that with a lot of their top guys not having the best year. And again, it's an abbreviated season. We saw a lot of standout players never quite find their form, not being able to access video in game and video room and just all the, all the, you know, the effects of, of the daily testing and the stress of COVID. I mean, a lot of guys had rough years this year and you definitely give them a pass. You don't, you, you don't hold it against anyone. This, there was a lot of circumstances this year that made it really, really, really difficult. Um, but again, for the Dodgers, again, there were a lot of people who, myself included, who said, yeah, this is the best team in baseball. I think they're going to dominate, especially over a 60-game season where they were only going to be playing teams from the West. I think by winning percentage, it was one of the easiest schedules in baseball. But they did that despite, again, Cody Bellinger was not great this year. Max Muncie was not great this year. Jock Peterson was not great this year. I mean, they had some key guys, you know, not do what was expected of them. Justin Turner missed time with an injury. Um, it, it just really, really impressive, and it speaks to the depth and the talent base they've built that, you know, you can have three of your best hitters not do great all season and still run away with the best record in Major League Baseball. So, Sure. And now and, and Cody Bellinger's 
So they're in great shape and uh, we just have to see what happens tonight. Again, this is a critical game two for the Rays and I'm looking forward to it. You know, Blake Snell's the guy. This is their ace. This is their Cy Young Award winner. This is their their first round pick on the roster out of guys who are mostly later round picks or undrafted guys or trade pickups or international signings who are under the radar. This is their headline guy and it's his time to shine. No, this is, I, I looked at it after game, whatever their last game of the championship series was, seven. They went to seven games. And they had more original Mariners. They had as many original Mariners on their roster as they had original Rays or on the roster as, as played in the game. It, it's stunning to look at where each of those guys came from and just how many, I don't want to say necessarily unwanted pieces they picked up from other organizations and turned into treasure, but they did. I mean, you know, look, look up that G-Man Choi. Who would have thought, you know, G-Man Choi is the guy hitting big home runs? Randy Arozarena certainly wasn't as high profile as, uh, you know, him becoming, as someone said on the broadcast last night, right-handed Barry Bonds out of nowhere um, <laughs> in the middle of the playoffs. There was a lot of guys who aren't famous, like Mookie Betts or whatever, or whoever you want to name, and they are performing in big situations. Willie Adamas is growing up before our eyes. Brandon Lau is not hitting, and that's a big problem. You know, Zanino is coming up with big home runs and blocking the living daylights out of baseballs. And that guy is, you know, a brick wall on trampoline or on, on, on pogo sticks back there, just moving and moving and jumping and blocking and everything. He's, he should be getting a lot more credit for what he's doing back there. Uh, you know, Joey Wendell, you, this guy, this is the guy to get for Jonah Heim. I mean, this is an incredibly well put together organization. And as I said in one of our emails, Blacks, it's funny that to get to this point, if they do, uh, if the Rays did win it, um, they would have defeated uh, an organization run by one of their former executives, James Click, and then they'd have to go through Andrew Friedman with the uh, the Dodgers. So this is a team that whatever special sauce they have is clearly working to the point where other organizations with bigger budgets want to pick off their best minds, and that even so they still are managing to continue to, to find the right guys. And there's, there's a whole lot of reasons for that, I think, that we can talk about on a different podcast. But uh, it, it's a fascinating dichotomy in this World Series of you know, bigger market and maybe smaller, uh, smaller market, but they're still here. Granted, it's a 60-game season, but they both have incredible pipelines of talent. These are top, you know, two of the best farm systems in the game. And they come about them very differently. Absolutely. I wrote about that yesterday in our breakdown of how many guys on World Series rosters were once top 100 overall prospects or ranked as prospects in the prospect handbook. And yeah, no, there's no question. The Rays are our reigning organization of the year here at Baseball America. They're not here by accident. This is a really well-run organization who is as good as anyone at identifying and evaluating talent. Uh, We've seen that from their scouting staff. Their analytics department does a great job. They they do a lot of great things. Um, The Dodgers just also do a lot of the great things similarly and have a bigger budget, which allows them to keep a lot of their guys. You know, I think traditionally we talk about small market team being the homegrown team and the large market team being the one who signed all the free agents. The Dodgers have twice as many homegrown players on their World Series roster than the Rays do. Two teams who did it very, very differently, but they're both here. And now the Dodgers are up 1-0, and we'll see what happens in game two. That's true. Well, it'll be, it'll be a fun night. I hope it's a little more uh, competitive than last night, no matter which way it goes. 
because um, that was uh, that was over very quickly, I think. Uh, although, although apparently it was uh, there was a, a play that could have, could have gotten much closer were it not for Victor Gonzalez turning into a cat and snatching that line drive. Boy, poor Mike Zanino, by the way. I was it Zanino who who got rung up on Laz Diaz's check swing early. Oh, uh, Renfro. Renfro. Oh man, you have to check with your base umpire on that. You have to. Uh, that that turned an inning. I mean, we talk, we, we credit Kershaw for getting off the hook. You know, part of part of that was Laz Diaz letting him wriggle off that hook. It was that was a bad call. And I don't know if it it makes up for you know all the rest of the runs the rest of the way. You got to ask. You got to ask. Sorry, I will say, rant. It, no, it, it did surprise me not seeing him check with the first base umpire, but it is what it is. And uh, now on to game two. Josh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. We appreciate your insight and uh, your look back at what Mookie was like back in 2014 as a prospect. And now seeing what it looks like today, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone, that'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America Playoff Podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening and enjoy game two.